and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I'm flying solo on the intro and outro today. Jeff is hard at work on a very big project, and we wish him all the best because it is very cool. So we have a lot of cool events going on that I'm very excited to tell you about. So first up, for those of you who've been following Bobby Chu and his career and schoolism, you may have gotten a hint that this is happening. It's happening. He announced on his Instagram and Twitter and newsletter and also through an article in The Hollywood Reporter that he and his team have created a brand new animation convention, Lightbox Expo. And this is from lightboxexpo.com. Over 250 of the best artists from the animation, live action, illustration, and gaming industries coming together for the ultimate celebration of art. So I am very excited about this. It will take place on September 6th through 8th, 2019 at the Pasadena Convention Center, and tickets will go on sale at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on March 6th, 2019, and they are currently looking for artists. Right now, you can apply for an exhibitor booth or an artist table, and the deadline for applications is 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on January 9th, 2019, so get those applications in today. Next up, there is an event through Women in Animation. Alliance for Women Film Composers present Women Composers in Animation panel and Q&A. And this will take place on Wednesday, November 7th at 6 p.m. at the Technicolor Digital Cinema in Burbank, California. This event is free for WIA members. And if you're not a member, today is your day to sign up to become a member so that you can RSVP for this event. Next up, at Noman School, they're presenting GPU Rendering, an Introduction to Redshift for Production, on Thursday, November 15th at 7.30 p.m. VFX industry veteran David Strapinis will be there for an overview of GPU Rendering and an introduction to the GPU Accelerated Renderer Redshift. And next up, Gallery Nucleus presents Marvel's Infinity War, the Art of the Movie panel, and book signing. There's free admission with a purchase of the Art of Infinity War or $5 general admission. The event takes place on Saturday, November 12th from 2 to 5 p.m. And this is your opportunity to get a look at the behind the scenes of Marvel's film Infinity War. They'll have select artists there for a discussion panel, Q&A, and book signing. And then finally, Live Read LA will have an event with industry insider Chris DeFaria, the CEO of DreamWorks Animation, Monday, December 10th, 2018 at 7.30 p.m. at the Matrix Theater in Los Angeles. Tickets are $10. Now, this event, you guys, is really cool. The two winners of Live Read LA's screenwriting competition will have the first 30 pages of their screenplays read by professional actors. After the script readings, there will be a brief Q&A and they'll also be able to get notes and feedback from Chris along with the moderator of the panel. And audience members will be able to ask questions as well. And there will be homemade cookies. So this event sounds very interesting. If you're a screenwriter or if you're interested in screenwriting and you want to have an opportunity to hear screenplays being read by professional actors and hear the kind of notes that an industry executive 
would give to you for your screenplay, I highly recommend this event. And as I mentioned earlier, with all of our events, they will be listed in the show notes as well as the website. So you will be able to check all of them out and RSVP and purchase your tickets. So with that, we're happy to get right into today's interview. This is part two of our interview with DreamWorks Television Animation's director of Spirit Writing Free, Jack Kasperzak. In today's interview, he talks more about what it's like working at DreamWorks as an animation director and working on Spirit in particular, how he got the job, and his parting thoughts and notes for those who are interested in getting into the industry and thoughts that he would give his younger self before he got into the industry. So it is an excellent conclusion to our interview. We know that all of you out there will enjoy it. So without further ado, we're happy to present episode 83, Interview with Jack Kaspersack, part two. So let's talk about your job. (laughs) So you're at DreamWorks Animation. You are an animation director for Spirit Writing Free. So what is that like? Because that is, that is a fun show. It is a fun show. Kind of unexpected, actually. I never thought that I would be like working on a really young kid geared towards like seven to 13 year old girls. Like I've said this 15 times in this interview, like it was never something that was on my radar. Like I seem to kind of like weirdly fall into these like directions and just ride the wave, you know? And I was a little bit hesitant coming on at first. I was like, I really made this commitment to wait until the right opportunity came. And there was a moment where I was like, okay, yes, it's DreamWorks, but do I really want to work on like a show for little girls because I don't have kids and I'm not a little girl and like you know there's all these factors that I was just like is this the right project but I took the leap you know I met a lot of the key people and I fell in love with them immediately and the concept and the idea behind the role of animation director really struck me so it was sort of like I think this is going to be the right fit even if the show isn't great I think it's going to lead to the next thing that is and then lucky for me the show actually turned out to be pretty good the writing is really really nice and you know for TV it's pretty pretty well in terms of what the role actually is i mean i can talk about it and kind of from a lot of different perspectives because it's a very different role than what an animation director would be in a visual effects studio that was sort of where i saw myself moving in the visual effects world is at some point i want to become a supervisor and then i want to become the animation director and that is very much animation driven like you supervise the animation team and you supervise the rigs and you make a lot of the creative animation calls and it's very specific to that you know because then there's the compositing director and the visual effects soup and all these other departments and you're very much like I'm gonna animate Megatron for blah 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 and we have to make all these creative decisions in the TV world particularly and then again even in feature animation it's also different because it's all based around scope of work and kind of the structure and the pipeline in TV it's really more of a manager it's a creative manager there's a lot of creative components but it is really more of management and what I mean by that is there's a little bit of personality management generally you have a couple of people under you helping you out and then like I supervise an overseas studio producing the work So there's that type of management, but then there's also just kind of like a producibility management. I mean, this has actually helped me a lot and the personal stuff and the side work is kind of transitioning from artists into more like business minded. The big part of this role is making sure this is all producible in the timeline that we're given and not only make sure it's producible, but how to do it because I'm sort of the liaison between DreamWorks, the client and the overseas studio. So rather than have them be the overseas studio, like I was in visual effects and being like, man, I hate the client. Like, 
like they suck they don't understand me you know like we're just wheels in a cog and like we don't get to make any decisions and then the client is like ha 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 do this like we don't care just come in on time and under budget and don't complain that's kind of the disaster situation we're trying to avoid and i'm in that position of trying to not let that happen so i came in kind of in a unique position that i had been effectively on the vendor studio side like visual effects is very much like that so i kind of had this really unique perspective about what the overseas studio was going through and kind of what they should be expected to do so more of my learning was actually coming up to speed on the client side on like the creative upfront like yes let's just come up with amazing ideas and then you guys figure it out so it was kind of a really fun and interesting place to be that i was using my experience to help supervise the post the back end part but then sort of looking forward to where i wanted to move as the other branch so i was kind of bridging these two things that i wanted to do all together as one that sounds really neat and very interesting too just how you were describing the vfx and you know yeah. the animation pipeline over at dreamworks because i always imagine it would be because i'm not coming from the animation side so yeah. i just imagine it would be very similar and it's not so that's just nice to know like this is how that's broken down yeah i mean obviously every studio is different and it depends on how much workload you know the overseas studio is doing and i don't know how much i can talk about exactly the breakdowns but you know when you have a situation where and this is a model that most companies are moving to where all the front end is done in-house or stateside for lack of a better term you have all your coordinators and your production team you have your writers you have your design team and then you maybe have like a few key other artistic players here and then they basically supervise all of the production elsewhere so that creates this like really unique disconnect that i think is kind of the crux of the industry that they're always trying to balance of the whole outsourcing thing right how do we push the vision that we want and make it the best product that we can get but still come in on time and on budget and on schedule coming from a studio that's not really in our control i mean they are we're supervising them but they're so separate they're supervised by a totally different management and investors and all that you know you name it how do we make sure they can deliver the most for our money and that's kind of that weird disconnect that sort of is where i come in it's a weird thing i mean then everybody in the industry talks about outsourcing and this is sort of i'm in that <laughs> i'm right in the middle of that you yeah. know that wedge we are too i think yeah if you're in american animation you're the same way because our show is the same way and i mean we love our canadian team but yeah all the animation is done in another studio and that's how it is at most studios yeah you know, there's only a few that have in-house people how so. did you know that you had those skills to manage the team before you got on i didn't that was something that i took a major risk because that was sort of i had these conversations with the hr department at digital domain you know it was kind of this ongoing thing like okay well you've been like an animator and a lead which in the visual effects world like a lead isn't really a manager like it's just sort of like go check in with your other people and make sure they've got something to do and maybe disseminate information from your superior like that's it you're not really a manager right so they're like okay you've been an artist and a lead for like five years now do you have thoughts about what's next because some guys in visual effects are fine sitting on the box for the rest of their life that's all they want to do they love that they don't ever want to become a supervisor a lot of people want to move up and become supervisors and i was kind of on the fence with that i was like i really like the shot work i like animating weird robots and monsters and aliens but another part of me wants a different type of creative control i want to start of maybe move into the supervising role because i also like teaching i mean that was my original thought when i was back in wisconsin was i was going to get into teaching because what else do you do with art in wisconsin besides teach <laughs> and both of my parents were teachers so it seemed very natural to me until this whole thing happened <laughs> so it was kind of like that was the thing it's like do i want to become a supervisor or do i want to stay on the box and you know for a certain amount of time there's a nice mixture like you can be a super
supervisor that still rolls up their sleeves and gets dirty now and then. But at a certain point, you got to kind of make the full on decision. And that was pretty much when I ended up leaving DD is that I went on for another four or five years where I was lead. And then I was like a pseudo supervisor. And then I was like a sequence supervisor. And then on X-Men, they kind of created this new thing where I was like a character supervisor where I like we were doing Mystique. So I pretty much for lack of a better term, I was the animation director, but just of her because she had her own sequences. But then there was like other animation teams that did the other stuff. So it was like this weird kind of organic thing. And then when this opportunity came up, I guess I figured going into it, I kind of figured it was going to be like visual effects. Like I was going to just focus on animation and I was going to talk about rigs and animation and, you know, curves and all that stuff all day long. <laughs> and as soon as I got into the interview and they're basically breaking it down, like what this role is, I was like, man, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And I kind of had to take a risk. I was like, after I made the decision that this felt right, I honestly, I didn't know if I had those skills. I exercised them a little bit here and there, but like I'd always been told that I'm very personable and people tend to like me and I work well with others, but like that doesn't necessarily translate into good manager. Like there's so many mm-hmm. other aspects yeah. of managing. So it's kind of just like a weird risk that I was like, mm-hmm. let's do this. <laughs> and luckily I knew all of the techniques and all of the things that go into it. So obviously that part I could instruct and manage that really well. But the whole like managing other people and managing a studio, I don't know. I just did it and it happened <laughs> to work really well. You know, I don't have an explanation for that because I think it easily could have gone horribly wrong. And I've seen it. I've seen a couple of other guys come over specifically from visual effects and it's just a disaster because they're not used to the speed at which TV works. They're also not used to managing not just people underneath you, but managing an overseas studio. They're still stuck in the like, let's make this the most amazing image possible and just, you know, run everybody into the ground and work. And it just destroys the whole system. And I don't know, something in my head just clicked. I was just like, well, if I put myself in their shoes, that's actually something I said to them whenever I met our first team. I was like, I know you guys are like freaking out because the client is here. And anytime the client shows up, it's like, he's going to change everything. They're going to make us stay super long over time because everything's different now. And the last thing I want you guys to do is to freak out. I want you to think that I'm here to help you and assist you through this process because I've been there and it's the worst. And I think that weirdly was like the first connection point where they're like, okay, maybe this guy actually gets us and this might be different. And I think from that moment, that's kind of when I took and ran with that concept that I got to keep putting myself in the artist's shoes because they're the ones doing this. It sounds like you're just not just because that's a hard thing, but you develop that level of trust, just showing them I am not the person who's here to crush you. I mean, that is what it is. That's the core of making this successful. But how to achieve that is really gray and not super easy to like say, well, this is what you do. I mean, a big part of it is if you have the opportunity, you want to go meet them face to face. I mean, you're going to be spending most of your time just via email or sometimes, you know, Skype type of thing. But if you can put a face to a name and shake their hand and make that, it's bizarre. We're all by biological creatures that still live by these old physical connection rules it matters 100,000% it's a game changer so if you can meet these people and the more often the better but yeah I think it's also it's a collaborative thing it's you know as much as we're the client and we're dictating this type of thing to you we understand that you're artists as well and that you probably all have your own ideas and scripts and concepts and things you want to do and like you have ideas of how to make this better and if you can like let's hear it let's work through this together I mean the biggest thing is just communication being very open I think it's very 
very common for managers to kind of withhold information because A, it either makes them feel powerful, like they have some information to kind of keep things in control, or B, that if someone beyond me has too much information, they're going to get distracted and they're going to not do their job. And I've actually found the opposite to be completely true. Like if we have a problematic thing happening, I'll bring it up as soon as possible, even if it's six months too early. Like nobody's even going to be touching this until six months, but if it's in my head and a little flag goes up, let's just talk about it because even just having it in your head all of a sudden like puts everybody more at ease it's like if you can say hey guys guess what we're gonna have a show coming up with 95 giants i know we've never done giants before and we've never done 95 characters before <laughs> but it's happening it's like they'll panic for a moment but even though it's six months away they've got six months yeah. to kind of calm down and kind of think about how they're going to do it so it's like the more problems you can talk about up front and then offer them if they can take ownership i mean taking ownership is everything as an artist i mean that's the main reason why people tend to leave companies is because they feel like they don't have ownership they don't have creative control so if you empower them and you give them the opportunity that their voice is heard their ideas are heard that what the choice i'm making by moving this arm or moving that object or modeling this this way matters it's totally black and white between just a grunt on a machine like i hate my boss i hate the client and this is so cool and then they get so into it and they're, they're like ahead of schedule and then they start doing they push the product even further and you didn't even ask for it and then you're like man this is like <laughs> that's best case scenario right yeah. you can just lean back and enjoy it sounds easy but man getting there is sometimes but it sounds like you've experienced this like from seeing good managers who communicated well with you and your teams and i imagine like you mentioned earlier terrible managers that have no idea what they were doing or they knew maybe what they were doing but they didn't know how to convey that to other people yeah and you know there's all combinations you know it's nice person good to work with terrible person awful to work with and then knows what they're doing and doesn't know what they're doing and then just mash those in all the possible combinations and that's pretty much what you're going to get. Obviously, the best case scenario is somebody who knows what they're doing and is really great to work with. Is that the norm? I mean, it depends. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people get lucky and some studios it is. Often it's not. That's the other thing about visual effects is every project's different. They're almost always an entirely new team. You know, you have a whole new set of animators, a whole new set of supervisors. So you get to experience these kind of team dynamics. And I'm sure you've noticed this. Every project has its own vibe. They all kind of get this personality about them. Some of that is by design, you know, if the line producer or the manager involved is sort of hiring based on their flavors and their desires for how to groom this show, some of it can be by design, but often it's just more organic than that. And it's like the mash of personalities come together and sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't. And that's the cool thing about visual effects is every project's different. Every project has its own little vibe, its own little flavor. So you get to kind of experience in a very short amount of time, like you can work on three, four features in a single year sometimes. And so in a very short amount of time, you can quickly see like what's working what's not working like that person doesn't know what they're doing or this method didn't work this worked really well we got to do that again you know it's like you kind of start to get this stuff really fast so let's take a turn now, yeah i love all that but i want to talk about your podcast because you yes. are the co-host of yes sketchstone podcast yes. which is great Thank and you. we've had a couple of people that have podcasts been on the show which is always fun but i love talking to other podcast <laughs> hosts and what i really like about y'all's show is that you talk to people across the spectrum of art so I was yeah. wondering if you'd like to plug the show and tell us yeah, yeah, about it, feel free. Well, Carlos Gomez is the host and it's on Thursdays. At, um, 
<laughs> but yes, it's live on Thursdays, usually right around 9 p.m. Pacific time. And it is very much a live show. That's kind of the fun part about it is the the guest is live and the chat room is live and we take live feedback, live calls, even though we rarely get calls because who calls anymore? But that's kind of the fun is it's live and it is a little lengthy, but to some extent that's its strength is because you get these guys or girls kind of talking at length. Sometimes about like random stuff. Like we've talked about like space aliens and like what happens after you die and like kind of you name it we've talked about like really random stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with art per se but when you get them in these like long form kind of casual settings then these really interesting things come out about these people and you kind of start to understand them more as an artist rather than kind of going through you know the standard list of questions that they've probably talked about a thousand times but beyond that is like are so specifically art driven or driven and designed to their work that it doesn't give a lot necessarily about their personality and sometimes you start to learn about their political views or you know the way they were raised or how much they hate their mother or you know like these weird things that come out on the show and sometimes you can latch onto that and you get these really fascinating conversations so we kind of like the long form it's best listened to live it started off again with me and carlos we wanted to do this thing called car jack radio it's carlos and jack and it was purely like for artists, about artists, by artists. And that was kind of the whole premise. And as we all know, things with artists often fall apart. It just never came to fruition. But we had like all the logos designed. We had the website ready to go. We had a voiceover artist to do our introduction. We were like ready to go. We had everything and we just never even did one episode. Very bizarre. And then like maybe a year, year and a half later, we were still kind of kicking around that idea. And two other guys, we had Tyrus Gaucher and Charlie B. Williams, who were like, oh, we're kind of interested in the same type of concept. And we're like, okay, yes, apart partnership like let's do this and we had four guys on tyrus has since left so now it's the three of us and it's the same concept you know it's for artists by artists about artists and that was really something we wanted to focus on was the many aspects of art and just how truly like immersive and kind of wide-reaching the art field is and this is something i actually at gza expo i was talking to a couple parents and this guy was trying to get his kid involved in art and he's just like we don't really get like how does he get his start like we're not sure what branch and and, you know, we got into this really long conversation just about how expansive the art industry is. It's everywhere. I mean, everything's designed from lamps to books, covers to cereal boxes to ads to cartoons. I mean, everything. There's so many diverse aspects of it that we really wanted to not seclude anyone and, and actually talk about that concept. And part of that really worked because Carlos is mainly from a web design background and Charlie's in games. And I'm obviously in animation and visual effects. And then Tyrus was a children's book illustrator. So we kind of had these diverse backgrounds but with so much overlap that it kind of drove the show. I mean, we had everybody on from music producers. There was a furniture designer. I mean, obviously illustrators, animators, production folks, like you name it. And it's been really fascinating to kind of watch, even though the, you think these industries are so separate, like to see the overlaps and see kind of like just how creatives think and how it all works. So that's kind of been the premise. And then as of recently, it's kind of turned into this really fun community building thing where we've introduced all of these community segments where we have a fun prompt where folks can and draw based on some prompts and then we always have our artist inspiration and those have been really fun and bringing the community in and feeling like they're involved and building the online feedback and kind of keeping the ball rolling yeah i noticed on the show you have people now that moderate <laughs> as the comments are coming in so that's a lot of fun and they kind of pick at carlos which is funny to watch yep. he's like yes yes i see i see but i also just really like what you said just about you just get to really know people yeah. very well yeah and just like the inner workings and understanding yeah 
yeah. what makes them tick. And that's just very fun. It's just very interesting. Yeah, I mean, selfishly, that was sort of our reason. We were like, we just want to talk to other creatives and meet folks and like network. And this was sort of like an easy way to do it, yeah. right? And, and it, it did work. It has yeah. worked. It's come through many times and it's also just fun to do. But like you said, getting to know people, we've had a lot of guests be really hesitant at first. So like, well, I don't really talk about myself and I'm really shy and I don't, I've never done a podcast. And then you get them on and three hours flies by or two hours and they're like, it's over already? Like <laughs> you just let people talk and you kind of get them comfortable and it's amazing what comes out of folks. And it, it does, it connects you and you feel this kind of nice connection with the guests. What I liked about it too is that the whole thing felt very comfortable. Yeah. Just being in the chat room, it just felt like hanging out with some artists yeah. who, you know, are just shooting the breeze. It was fun. That's kind of Carlos's pitch when guests come on. He's like, so remember like when you're in school, well, not all of our guests went to art school, but when they do, he's remember when you're in art school and you're in like the computer lab and you're just mm -hmm. like talking shop and just making jokes and eating hamburgers and just that's what this is right so and it really has become that it's like a fun casual thing because we've actually found that when it's really scripted because we've done a couple of shows where it's very scripted very well researched all the questions are laid out it feels really rigid and we not even rigid but we find ourselves hitting roadblocks much faster like we get to the end of a discussion and then it's kind of like Okay, <laughs> awkward. Let's transition to the next topic. And some of that is clearly, as you know, some of that is just experience and learning how to transition and, mm -hmm. and be organic. But a big part of it, I think, is just that we let it kind of go where it needs to go. Yeah, but y'all are doing great. And you have so many episodes. It's we very, do. It's very inspiring, I have to say. Every week when we're like, okay, what episode is this? And we're like, 153. And we're like, 153 episodes. Yeah. It's crazy. Are you guys planning anything really special, spectacular for number 200? We have oh for 200 yeah. man we're not thinking quite that far ahead but we do have some ideas about stuff for this year to kind of push it forward we definitely want to do gza again and we want to do potentially some things like that because that was really fun meeting people in person and effectively doing i mean we weren't doing podcasts but doing little mini interviews and fun prompts on the spot it was a really cool like community building thing well that's why i met you guys and yeah so it was nice getting yeah. to meet you guys in person and getting yeah. to watch like what people were doing well and the really weird part is like there's a lot of podcasts out there and i think even today to some extent i'm like yeah you know we're just three guys in our rooms just doing this podcast i kind of sometimes don't take it very seriously and then it's like you get out there in the real world and some guy runs up to you and it's like oh my god sketchstone is here and they know all of our names and it's like i mean i get how celebrities feel to some extent it's like this is bizarre they know so much about me and i know nothing about this person <laughs> exactly it's an interesting feeling yeah but in I'm sure this is the same for you guys, but you know, for us when we're recording, it's great having the guests. It's a lot yeah. of fun and we get nice messages from people. So we know that it's yeah. helping people, but it's one thing to get, you know, messages and we appreciate all, mm -hmm. all the listeners know, but it's like you said, it's another thing when you meet people you've never met Yeah. and they go to schools you've never heard yeah. of, cities you've never been to, and you just go, oh, this is affecting somebody yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, that's the true like reminder and wake up calls. Mm -hmm why we're doing this yeah. i mean obviously we started very much like we want to meet people but so do all these listeners and they want to be educated and they want to learn all this stuff and when you get a message or you meet somebody in person and they say like oh i discovered so and so through you or i heard about this through you that's like a really powerful thing and even if it's just one person that kind of makes it all worth it we had this email come in that was basically this woman in israel and she said please don't ever stop doing what you're doing like we don't have this type of content here it's my only outlet obviously 
there are more, but it was a good reminder of like, yeah, there's a lot of folks out there that don't have access to all the same things the three of us had and that it is actually affecting them and they do listen and they do get something from it. It's a really nice feeling. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, Jack, I have to say it has been a pleasure <laughs> having you on the show. Thank yes. you so much for just sharing your experiences about pitching and DreamWorks and the podcast and your life yeah. and film and all sorts of stuff. So we always like to ask people too, if there was anything that you could tell younger Jack as you were coming <laughs> up or any way that you could give yourself encouragement through hard times, anything in particular you would say? I try not to be like a resentful person or anything. So I got to say that I feel like I've turned out pretty well. So I would say like, you know, stick with it. It'll get better. But that's kind of what I did. So, but sometimes you need that reminder. It does get better no matter where you're at. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Very cool. Well, yeah. thanks again. Yeah. Thank you guys. And that concludes part two of our interview. Special thanks to Jack for being a wonderful guest and make sure to check out all of his websites in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help us to pay for the technical aspects associated with running the podcast. And to see what else is going on in the wonderful world of animation, make sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, our handle is at animjourney. And I'm very happy to announce that we are now on Spotify. So you can check out the podcast on Spotify as well as Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean. So wherever you get your podcasts, you will find us there. And to see what Jeff has been up to, make sure to visit his website, www.jeffbot.com. That's J-E-F-B-O-T dot com. On Tumblr, the site is jeffbot.tumblr.com. On Twitter, the handle is at jeffbot. And on Instagram, the handle is at shootzee, and that's S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E. And to see what I've been up to lately, make sure to visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram, the handle is at sketchysoul. So that's it for this week. Tune in next week when we bring you another great episode. And until then, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.